Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new, so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun... Well, Horry Bank, Saxon Jackson. Tomorrow, Greg Bepis on the board. SB Futures down 22. Nasdaq Futures down 105. Except for a big run-off yesterday. So we're about a third of the way back. Um, so, uh, third of the way in the S&Ps, maybe half the way back in the NASDAQ. So uh, we'll see what that brings. Do we have Mr. O'Neill? Good morning. How are you? Doing all right. Um, Doing all right. Hey, did uh, um, is, is Joel going to call in today, and, and has he been to bed yet? Well, uh, we're not sure on either. We have an invitation out to him, but I suspect he will not if he's in... Uh, some hotel in Houston with the family. He's not in some hotel in Houston. He's in heaven. He's in well, yes, that's true. Wolverine fan heaven. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been to a couple of those. They're fun. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I've been to one recently, but uh, I do recall the one in. Uh, well, I went to the one in '73, Alabama versus Notre Dame, and I went to the Lou Holtz one out in the Fiesta Bowl against West Virginia. That against Major Harris, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Major Harris. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they kind of clubbed them like uh, like uh, similar to last night. Yeah, I, uh, I remember that one as being nowhere near as much fun as the one in '73 because the game took forever. It seemed like he almost didn't even remember what happened in the first quarter. It was like four, it was like a four-hour and fifteen-minute game, wasn't it? As I recall, I don't know why it was so long, but it was Maybe because Major Harris threw the ball all the time, but. Anyway, well, it was it was festival. It was very nice. Uh, Seventy three. Uh, that that one was fun. That was a one point game. Went to the wire, um, and uh, I remember uh, getting down on the field, and you know we we were very much in the habit of stealing opposing fans' hats and, and <laughs> things like that. I really really wanted to get Bear Bryant's hat. However, there were some very large, uh, you know, Alabama State Trooper types surrounding him, so. The, the, I, I could get like within about five feet, but I, that wasn't <laughs> the hat steal was not going to happen without great bodily harm. I read a uh, a, a thing about him at uh, when he was at uh, he started. He was in Kentucky, wasn't he? Yeah. Then he went to fact, I, yeah. It's it's a really good uh, trivia question. Name name the uh, two teams that Bear Bryant coached against and never beat. Uh. Well, the Irish were one. Notre Dame was one. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm telling a story. I read the thing yesterday. I can't remember who they played against at the uh, 
Orange Bowl for the national championship. Was it was it Washington? No. Well, somebody from the West, I thought. Anyway, they, Alabama. Yeah, no, it uh, was not Alabama. He he was from Kentucky, and they beat. Uh, you know what, Greg? That's a job for you. In his early career, who did they? He coached Kentucky, and they played somebody for the national championship, and and he was uh, he was the same way he was in uh, the Junction Boys when he went to A and M. He was this Mister, uh, you know, work people so damn hard they can't even breathe kind of thing. Well, he goes down to Florida, and it's hotter than hinge the hell, evidently. And he worked his team two a days before the bowl game, to the point where guys were passing out on the field and having, you know, a couple, a couple guys I think ended up in a hospital. I mean, he still wouldn't let them have water, that kind of thing. Uh, back when people did stupid stuff uh, like that. You know, hydrating is for sissies. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, the other coach, whoever the other coach was, had read that when you have greyhounds and stuff down there, it's so hot that you have to. You have to just run them in the morning, and that's it. You know, can't just run them all day. So he he figured, well, if it's that, that's the way it works for like dogs and horses, that you have to do it for people too. So they practice only in the morning, like every couple hours. They end up kicking Alabama's ass, and uh, Bear Bryant like apologized. So I know uh, Then he went from there to Texas A and M and the Junction Boys, right? Well, he yeah. He, so he was at Kentucky. He he was at A and M. I forget which came first. I think Kentucky came first. Yeah. Then A&M. And then, uh, and then Alabama for all the rest of his career, basically. Yeah, and he was, uh, you know, he was Mister. The uh, I remember the movie was actually fairly accurate, I think. And he brought people out there, and all he did was like practice all day long, and you know, beaten. You couldn't go to the, if anybody was hurt. You know, you didn't want you going to the doctor. The guy who was the doctor was like the bad guy on the team, and you know, it was on that team. Was uh, remember the Bears? Talk about a a. Uh, Harbinger of things to come. One of the first was he the. Oh, Alice had stepped down a couple times before Patty Driscoll and long before our time. But, uh, but the first was the first coach after he quit. Was it Jack Pardee? Um, no, no. We had a Gibran. We had no, no. Uh, Pardee, I think, was the first. He was before Gibran. I, I don't think so. Um, I will look this up. As a matter of fact, that's a job for Greg. Because he quit. He didn't want any part of the... After two years with the houses, he quit. Yeah, he went to Washington. Yeah. But he uh, he was one of the Junction boys. Yeah. And uh, somebody asked him when the movie came out, they said, you know, oh, you, you were one of the really tough guys. And he goes, I wasn't tough. My parents split up, and they had no place for me to go back to. I had to stay there. I had nowhere else to go. So he's like, no, it was really stupid. <laughs> Which they turned and adapted into the story for an officer and a gentleman. Um, I uh, got no place else to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did. Well, he didn't want to go back to his dad. I mean, that guy was a character, wasn't he? The first part of the movie when they were living in uh, where the hell were they living? Philippines or someplace? Yeah, Bay? whatever. It was. Yeah, it was uh. So last night, what uh, what do you what do you make of this of this the state of uh? football now. I mean, I uh, I keep looking at the money side of this, and if you were uh, doing the budget, say, and why I always bring this down to numbers, I don't know, it's pretty good, it's all I know. Uh, if you were at one of these big schools, Irish, Michigan, Ohio, well, how many people do you think you need? Now, granted, you've said before eloquently that a lot of times people already know these people, and uh, and, you know, they might have recruited them out of high school, so you're, it's an easy... It's an easy pluck, for lack of a better term. But how many people do you think, if 
you know, let's say 1,200 in the portal, or many enter the thing at one time. Do you have to monitor that? Essentially, see somebody like put out a bid for them, try and figure out who's going to pay them. Whether it's the, you know, it's the group like from Texas where he goes to the hospital for the charity group, or whether you can get him if he's good enough to get him a a deal at Under Armour. Whether it's just something from one of the guys at Notre Dame. Whether it's you know, I mean, there's got to be. I'm going to say four different ways, five different ways now for people are actually getting paid. And we could go through them. We've gone through them before. You know, what, what is the staff you would need just to monitor that and put out the bids for people, knowing what the competitive structure is? I'm going to say 10. Easy. Oh, yeah. They, yes. And, and administrative staff has now become um, one of the big items for coaches that when, you know, when you want to hire a coach, um, you know, one of the things they negotiate now is how much administrative staff do you get? Does a coach uh, do that, or is saw, it? I even saw that on the on the basketball side um, with Micah Shrewsbury. He's you know he's got all kinds of people that Mike Bray never had, um, and uh, um, and and that's you know that's just for basketball at, at Notre Dame. Um, you know, there, there's at least one guy who's a full time recruiting coordinator. He has nothing else to do but just that to to work to organize to you know all, all of that so and and I know you know from back in the days when I was more involved that it, it was like with the assistant coaches the first thing that they did every every morning was they get up and say whose name is in you know who, who's who added in, uh, their name into the portal this time um, and uh, and then take it from there so it, yeah it, it does require a lot of attention and that's attention um, that isn't coaching related uh, it, it's strictly why would, why would you let the coach be in charge of that why would you let the coach be in charge of I mean, it? why would you I mean just out of definition it may, it's a totally different skill set so it's a general manager's role basically yeah I understand and there and there are some coaches that can pull off the coach and general manager type of function um, but why would you let them uh, well either either because um, I'm not saying you wouldn't I'm just saying because you, know. you don't have the budget for more people, or uh, or you're the AD and you and the coach don't get along very well, so you want to screw them if you can. Well, I'm I'm, I'm trying to, you know, as usual, I'm trying to do the a business-like approach to this, which I don't know if it's the right way, but uh, you, you basically, if if Greg Pappas enters the portal, you're going to say, okay, he doesn't. He just puts his name in it. He puts his name in there. Well, you know, I think I think it's just the portal. It's just like the same thing in the uh, Star Trek. You, you pop it in one side, you pop out I the other. Yeah, no, honest to God, that's, that's what it sounds like. The way it's. The way I'm not so sure that's that's not you. exactly what happens. I mean, you know, you might have to have a plane in the middle, but that's you, you. You were at UCLA and you pop out at Notre Dame. Just you know, you just pop in somehow. How you got there? Who cares? Just saying, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so, but I mean, I. I would have to almost watch the process, Kevin, before I could design the most efficient way of doing it. So, Greg Pappas pops in there. He's a, a safety, let's say, or a D-back, whatever he is, from from Oregon. And he's, all of a sudden, he's in there. Now, somebody has to say, okay, Greg Pappas looks like he's a starter at Oregon. He's might, he might be third at Notre Dame, or he might be a starter next year. We're not sure. Uh, but he's, he's, he's there. He's on the bubble. Okay, now what what is... Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, what are they liable to? Do they have any interest? Are they going to put him in, let's say there's four levels of people you pay, 
Are they going to put him in the fourth level, the third level? He's not going to be in the number one level. He's not good enough to go to go to Under Armour or Nike and say this guy gets his own deal because we need him that bad. He's he's probably going to be whatever the, the other rest of the deep backs are getting. He'll be in that group. Maybe there's a couple of middle groups, and whether he's in those or not, we're not sure yet. Somebody has to get out with him for a bid and say, "We think you're worth the bottom group, so you're you're fifty grand a year." And he goes, "Ah, you know, Ohio State thinks I'm in the second group where I'm eighty-five grand a year." And now you talk to him. Do you talk to an agent? He's not supposed to have an agent. He's marketing director. I mean, this whole this whole mess takes time, and you're talking about hundreds of people. Now, whether you you can take the hundreds down to 50 that you're actually interested in, even if it's 50, that's a big deal. And where you're actually bidding for them, and you, you find out, and, and who do you go to and say, we, we graded him out as a, as just, just a regular offensive lineman, a regular deep back at the 50 grand a year from this Schmo's group, and, we, and we, have, we get the right to put him in that group, even though we're the university and not the group itself, which is another weird thing. Uh... And we're going to put him in there. He thinks he's worth 75, and Ohio State is paying him 75. Are we going to up our game and put him in the third group or the second group or something? This, this, these are meetings like every day. You know, I mean, it, this is a this this is could be bigger than the high school recruiting, except you don't go there, or maybe you do go. Maybe maybe you maybe you pay high for high school recruiting too. Well, maybe you pay for a physical for the guy. Maybe you don't. Can can you bring him to South Bend? Is that part of it, or or Michigan or Ann Arbor? Can yeah, you, they make official visits. Okay, so so the guy's allegedly in class, and he goes. Does, does the guy take a physical of five schools in a row in five different days? Maybe. Uh, do they, they um, or can he bring his tests from the one before? But this is I don't even know how to set that up, and I'm not so sure that you would just give that to every coach. It seems it could be a similar skill set. It may not to him. This is, this is why they have recruiting staff and administrative staff who handle all this kind of stuff. Okay, so but now, if you if you walk into Northwestern, so you know, yeah, the coach obviously the coach has to sign off on it, right? But uh, but you know what you're you're going to come in, you're going to uh, um, you know you're going to say if you're interested, here's who's available. Um, you know, I'll pursue them, and and I you know I would say. You know that allocation of funds um, might be a big deal. Part of it. Um, do you want the coach involved in it? Does the coach need to be involved in it? I mean, I, honestly, when you start thinking about it, um, it there there is no salary cap. Um, so whatever any guy can negotiate, if he can get, you know, if he can sit down, you know, you you bring him to campus, maybe he's going to do his official visit. Is is part of the visit going to be sit down with representatives for? I don't know if you have a collective. Uh, sit down with representatives for the collective. Is it going to be sitting down with uh, you know somebody from one of your uh, corporate sponsors, which would include someone like Under Armour uh, or Nike or whomever, but would also include. I mean, you've got all kinds of people who have marketing agreements with the uh, football programs, so you know it could be that as well. Um, is is that part of your day on a visit nowadays? I would imagine it is. Well, do you have? I guess but, do you, you have, know what that would be darn interesting to get somebody who's who's done it and say, you know, tell I, us about the recruiting process. I don't here. think they're willing to talk about any of this, Kevin. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe after they've gone to the NFL. Maybe after they've gone to jail or something. Just saying. 
Well, well, I, don't jail, I don't know the jail necessarily. Well, let's, well, let's take let's let's take it from the a couple of examples here. We have got a couple of minutes. But what was the name of the outfit that I sent you the thing last week? The Texas was it Texas Hearts or Texas something something? Yeah. Was it Hearts? Um, yeah, or Texas with a heart or something. Texas like with a heart or something. Great guy sent it to you too as well. Their their deal is, and I don't know how they picked the offensive line, but they were going to guarantee everybody on Texas fifty grand who had who had a scholarship. To play O line, didn't matter whether you were a star or not a star. I think that's the story, right? Kevin was a, uh, and this you gave money to this group. If you were some kind of idiot, uh, you, you gave money to this group, and they say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Texas guy. I got nothing to do with my money. I want Texas to win, and every time they win, a part of my body grows an inch or something. If you're that stupid to think that, uh, I give these guys a hundred grand. Now they're saying that that is tax deductible to me because that group. Texas with a heart uses that money to orchestrate hospital visits, which the offensive line has to go to a hospital. And I don't know if it's talking to kids or old people or whatever. I'm sure doing a nice job and helping out. I'm not disparaging there at all. And they're going to essentially pay these guys. I've heard someplace, not this particular place, that it's like 600 bucks an hour. So for your 50 grand, you got to do what? 80 hours worth or something, Kevin? Something, hours, yeah. something like that. So you got to go to the hospital for it. Now, I would assume that if an old lineman comes through the portal, and I'm the people of Texas that are doing this, I, as long as I give the kid a scholarship, I can essentially guarantee him that fifty grand. Right? That would be my guess. At that level, he's going to get that. Now, if PTI Securities uh, all of a sudden becomes a big. Uh, you know, pusher for say Illinois or Northwestern or whoever the hell it is, Notre Dame. Uh, now, do you even have to register as as a guy now? Would you do this? You used to have to. Used to be every alumnus was considered a booster. Now, is any is there is such a thing as a booster anymore? Um, not in the same way we know it. So okay, so so PTI. All of a sudden, we're rolling in dough, and we give half a million dollars to one of these places because we wanted their football team to win. Why I don't know, but we do. And uh, now, I don't think the coach and we say we're going to give uh, five guys every summer a you know a half-assed job where they show up four or five times and we pay them twenty-five grand a piece or something. I don't know that we're willing to take anybody they throw at us. I I don't know if the university can 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 send us Mickey to mope. It's never going to show up or maybe being a distraction. I think we have to at least look to the person. I don't you know I don't know. I'm saying some of these things you can guarantee people. I think you can Texas with a heart just because their definition of getting the money is being an offensive line scholarship recipient. So, but as you work work up the chain, I don't I don't think the Irish can guarantee the next quarterback a million dollar Under Armour Under Armour deal. Deal. Maybe they, I mean, without some kind of negotiation. It, oh, it, uh, that, that theoretically. There's going to be that arm's length relationship, where um, you know the the he's got to cut his own deal with Under Armour. Now, do you think it's really arm's length? I don't, um, and uh, and and I would totally suspect that uh, that that's why I've said this before on the show. Where sooner or later somebody is going to want to file file a comp claim after an injury. And uh, because they really are employees of the school, and this arm's length arrangement is is just kind of a sham 
you know, pass through uh, for uh, for employment. So, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned this on Wednesday, and, I, and, and here's the issue, is we have this whole new set of rules, whole, whole new set of options. And they were two, and they kind of converged at the same time. One is getting the name, image, and likeness rights, and the other one is um, is the, um, uh, the the ability to transfer without uh, having to sit out a year. And those two came together at the same time, changed everything, and yet we're still operating the rest of the sport on the old rules, on the old construct. Well, the name, image, and likeness, Kevin, in my opinion... Is, is a total hunk of BS for 99% of the people we're talking about. None of the offensive linemen got hired by that hospital because they have any image, any likeness, or any name whatsoever. That, that, that's, we're, we're not talking about the, the two girls that were the... No, it's a, that, that's yeah. why I said it's an employment arrangement. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. is it's, it, it's just a way of, uh, of making them employees of the, uh, the school and the football program without putting them on the payroll. If you if there was a way to go back, we're, we're incredibly I'll say it's the best in the world, but it's the most horse bleep system, our legal system, you would think you could go back to the Supreme Court and say, is this what you idiots really meant? And I think the answer would be no. Well, they they didn't mean anything. Right? Well, they yeah. said you could, they said that the, the school does not control your name, image, and likeness. So if, if Dr. J's brother, Paul, wants to have a, a job in the summer modeling uh, you know, flannel shirts, he can do it. Or if he wants to act in a play, which he was a drama major, he can do it before you couldn't do it. That's crazy you couldn't do it. But that, that doesn't mean this is all legal or, or should be happening. No, and, and I would imagine that at some point uh, the, uh, uh, the college football schools are going to try and bring some rationality to this. But they don't know what it is yet, and yeah, I don't think they're they, powerless and, too. Or are they going to walk back a whole lot <laughs> because that's a, that's not easy? Um, so I, you know, that, that's what I said. That you, you'll see some radical reorganization at some point because that you know nobody. Look, I, I'm all for players' freedom, and I, I you know, I, I I really am not, you know. Uh, um, Advocating that we that they have their freedoms restricted, I think for the longest time it's been a really really one-sided deal in favor of the schools, and now it's become a seller's market, and uh, I don't think that's that's an awful thing in concept, but it is pretty chaotic at this point, and I, I you know I you know there there is no other professional sports league, and let's just call it a professional sports league because that's what it is. Well, they're cartels to start with, which is a problem. Yeah. So you know, it's who's it's. It, is there going to be a cartel of some sort? Yeah, there will be. Um, how how will it shake out? How will it be organized? And what will the athletes accept, given what they have already, uh, will be the other part of the intrigue in the story. But I, you know, it, it's going to take time for it to become something. I, I don't know what it's going to. I don't know exactly what it's going to shake out like, but it will shake out. Well, you know, it's going to cause a problem. Different because this is not a sustainable model. I, you know, it would cause an awful lot of issue. And I don't know if this could ever happen. Although maybe it could, money wise, if uh, if it ends up turning into the NBA, which you know, we're whatever the inmates are running the asylum, if you ask me. Uh, doesn't mean I, I don't. It doesn't mean I don't like watching it because these guys are spectacular players. But 
uh, and maybe I'm adding to the problem because I do watch it. But that's, I, I think one year, as long as the, the power teams maintain their spot, I think somehow it will be okay, and it'll never, it'll never be sued against. But all of a sudden, one year, you see Memphis, they're not Memphis State anymore, sorry, Russell. Uh, you see Memphis and, uh, you know, pick God knows who, Boise State, all of a sudden in the national championship game because they found a way to pay these players even more. And the, and the, the traditional powers, Alabama is not even close, or Georgia or Michigan, all of a sudden you'll, everybody will squeal like they got stuck with a knife. All of a sudden this is totally unfair. But as long as they maintain the spot, and I think Alabama, their coach has been squealing about this because he's been losing players. Um, you know, he's still they're still pretty darn good. But I, he, he's been one of the biggest squealers, hasn't he? Well, yeah, because, you know, guys get buried at Alabama and they want all alternatives, and so they, they leave. And now, I mean, that, that is the catch, is you can leave and uh, uh, and not have to sit out a year. So there is, you know, no penalty for uh, for transferring where they're used to be. I, I think being a Southsider, it's not like I was, I mean, I was never into violence, you know that, Kevin, but... I think that if somebody gets one of these deals at Texas, and they pay him fifty grand a year to sit on the bench, plus a scholarship and whatever else you happen to get from being the second string guard, after after his freshman year, if that guy heads to what he considers to be greener pastures, I'm not so sure his pickup doesn't blow up before he leaves town. I mean, I I, I don't know that 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 there isn't or aren't going to be some kind of deals. You take this deal, you're staying here for at least three years, or so. why wouldn't it? But it were you don't you don't give just like NBA programs now you don't put somebody through New York, Chicago or Northwestern and just have them be able to quit the day they get out. That, I mean nobody does that anymore. Used to when it, when it was well, but how, how many years ago? What school did he go to? Talking about Greg saying his brother did. Well, how happy was yeah. it, was the what, maybe they didn't like him anyway. They didn't but care. They didn't care. So they they paid. They paid a hundred and well, what's the University of Chicago? It's eight grand a class time. So they paid hundred and sixty grand. He quit the day he left the day he got his degree, and they didn't care. I'm going to say that's very rare. That's that's uh, understood before you even go in. Uh, every place I know, it, it, they pay parts of it, and, and if you if you end up uh, leaving within a year, you owe him some of it back and all that kind of stuff. There's no wherever he went, he you know it was good for him. Is all I'm saying. It's rare. It, it was rare 25 years ago when the prices started to go up. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kevin, can you hang around a little bit? I don't think we're going to hear Joel. I want to talk a little bit about this Boeing situation and and what – because now all of a yeah, sudden I they're – Yeah, hang for a couple minutes. Yeah, because all of a sudden now we're talking about more bolts being loose. Now, as Carl was saying, does anybody think that's the one bolt that was loose in all the planes they make? I think not. SP Futures down 18, NASDAQ Futures down 95. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do at PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Welcome back, Stacks and Jackson. I'm Tom Allen. Rick Pappas on the board. SP futures down 18. NASDAQ futures down 91. Uh, Dow futures down 140. We have Boeing down a little bit more today. Dollar 40 was down heavy yesterday with the the, uh, the blowing out fake, well, not fake door, plug door incident. Uh, but yesterday we had a huge move up. Even the Dow shook off the Boeing thing. It was up 216. S&P up 66. That's a lot. NASDAQ up 319. So we're not even, you know, we're down here this morning. We're not even touching that, that kind of raise. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 58.4%. FTSE down 1. Call that flat. Kick around down 27.4%. So down a little bit uh, over there. Over in Asia, we've got the kneecap 385, 1.1%. Hang Seng still down. 34, not much, but down again, 0.2%, 16,190, see if they duck under 16 here. Japan only up, or uh, Shanghai only up 5, 28.93, still can't get back over 2,900 uh, bonds. Up uh, 10 years, back over 4%, 4.04, after flying down yesterday to like under, like 3.9, now it's back up again, so it's been very volatile around this 4% number the last few days. The Bund up 6 base, 2.18. Japan unchanged at uh, 0.58. Uh, oil, um, we have oil up a buck 69 back to 72.46. It keeps flying back and forth between 73 and like 70.50. Uh, violent within the range, 2% up, 2% down, but still not really breaking out of it. Brent up 176, 77.88. Natural gas up seven cents, over three bucks, 305. Uh, first time it's been over three bucks for a while. Arbob up six cents to 208. We've got gold, which was down yesterday, trying to make a bounce today. Up 810, 2041, trying to get back to the 2050 number. Silver up 3 cents, 2334. Copper down a penny, 379. Copper has been very steady lately. Uh, we did some, we put some people in a, hard to, it's hard to get a copper ETF, so we had some people in a FCX, Freeport, McMoran, which used to be, used to be like the, the really good copper play if you wanted to do a company, but now they bought a gold company, so it's kind of sloppy, so I don't really recommend that it's all copper, it's all, but we had some people in there, and we did all right in, in uh, December 
but now it seems to flatten out here a little bit. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, if that's a is that a recommendation, Greg? I don't know. Uh, Bitcoin down two ninety four uh, to forty six thousand six forty six, but still way up there. And the U.S. dollar is up uh, up a little bit. The pound is down. Well, the pound's still over one hundred nine. Uh, the euro is still over 109.1093, and the pound's 127.2, so kind of reversed a little yesterday, but still at a, at a lower number than it has been over the last several months. Greg, all that stuff there. What do you got for us, traffic weather sports? Morning, everyone. 638 here in Chicago. Um, 36 degrees right now. Mix of snow and rain today. 39 eventually later. Cold in Phoenix also. 35 right now. 56 today. Mostly sunny there. Traffic inbound Kennedy from Montrose. It's 11 minutes. Edens from Lake Cook, 26 minutes. Eisenhower from Wolf, 19 minutes. Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 21 minutes. And Stevenson from 294 to the Rhine is 22 minutes. Bulls win in overtime. That was 119-112, beating the Hornets. Suns lose to the Clippers. That was 111-113. The Hornets had like 500 guys out. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, they did. But um, Bulls win, and that (laughs) that was... yeah, that's they're trying a good to win. adjust to Zach Levine being back in the lineup. He's right. actually he's actually come back in pretty well, I think. But uh, let's see. And the national championship, yeah, was thirteen to thirty-four. Michigan Blake Corum, one hundred and thirty-four yards, two fourth-quarter touchdowns, and who was the player of the game? Was Corum? Sure. Either him or the quarterback. Probably I just had that up. Sorry, I'll find it. That's all I got, Chief. So, Kevin, what uh, what do you make of this? I mean, f- from a from a person who. Hey, Where you get away from that game? Washington had more first downs. Um, they uh, Michigan was one out of ten on third downs. They were never leading, and right, and and, and as you start and you see statistics like that, and you think, how could this have been a blowout? And yet they smoked them. And they probably did that. Oh, I don't know. Maybe because they had over 300 yards rushing. Oh uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that the uh, the 50 man roster of Michigan is way deeper and better than the one in Washington. I sure looked like it. Yeah. When you start seeing the the guys that can mow people down in the fourth quarter being one sided like that. Also, maybe they were cheating. <laughs> I don't know. I think they were cheating to run. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they knew the defense. <laughs> I guess. Oh, they, they may have, but that was, you know, if, if you like line play, uh, offensive and defensive lines were just dominant in that game. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's always easier to win if you know the other plays. It, well, yeah, it is. But it's also also easier to win if you can knock, knock everybody else on the other team backwards. Uh, that would be nice. I mean, that's the... Uh, I would, I'm not, you know, far be it for me to uh, be a big Michigan advocate, but um, but they they really did dominate the game. I ended up uh, for a little while last night. Unfortunately, I don't. I'm not a pull my hair out kind of guy because I hang with some people that would cause you to do that. Uh, the whole deal last night was that the Bears absolutely have to get rid of their offensive coordinator because he didn't call these kinds of plays. And I'm thinking. I said, you, you do realize that the day before they put the center on IR and the other guy is a bag of ball. You wouldn't get a bag of balls for him. Not to mention the left guard got hurt like two weeks ago and he's playing, but he looked like a zombie. The interior line play was non-existent. 
So you basically could take half the plays you would like to call off the table because you can't block anybody. And every time the guy went back to pass, it looked like a jailbreak. Yeah, but still, yeah. no, no. There is no yeah, but still, you idiot. <laughs> if you've got no players, you can't. You, you can't have me blocking Dick Butkus and, and ignore the guy and call the play anyway. It, it doesn't work. But people, yeah, but you still, no, there's no yeah, but. So what am I missing here? You either well, have the people or you I, don't. I, I think he's been a poor play caller all year long, whether his line was healthy or not. Um, there, there is a really, really strong, it, 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 they always come out and have a good, uh, a good first drive, which suggests that he can game plan a little bit. Um, but as the game wears on, he, he doesn't seem to have that feel for the game of what's working or not. And I, I think Green Bay is a perfect example. How many times um, you know, are you going to drop straight back when you have a very mobile quarterback? How many times are you going to just keep dropping straight back because uh, even though he's getting sacked? Do you know that Fields did not throw a single pass in the third quarter? even though um, he dropped back to pass plenty of times. And it was because he, every time he dropped back to uh, pass, he either got chased uh, out of bounds or he, or he was sacked. And, uh, you know, it, it, you've got to take that guy and put him on the move there, it seems to me, uh, or you're wasting, you know, the asset that you have. Um, but... You know, Getzy never seemed to have a feel for if you're not, if you what's can't, actually going on in the game, uh, and, and an ability to adapt out of that. And and I think in part that was because uh, you know part of it is he, he's just not on the um, on the side. You know, insists on being on the sideline instead of up in the booth where you can see all of this stuff unfolding. I uh, I kind of a but I know probably you know more about football than me, but I have a totally different point of view on this. And you start out with a uh, an offense is mostly run and little dump dump passes, which, and you get feels on the move. And all of a sudden, the other the other guy says, "Well, look what they're doing. They're doing that because they can't do this." And when and when we adjust it to cover that, sometimes I think, Kevin, if, you, if your heart's not in the team, watching another team play, and then run into the same problems, get you get you a different point of view. I was watching. Uh, I don't want to talk about this bowling thing for a second, but it. I watched uh, Cincinnati was playing somebody like three weeks ago. And they're in the game all the way, and all of a sudden the other team scores. And they've been doing kind of the same, same thing. Their quarterback was kind of mobile. They're moving them. They're doing all that stuff. And and was kind of confusing the other team. But now all of a sudden we're two minutes, and we just got to go down the field. And the, whoever they're playing, all of a sudden they, they, they moved their edge rushers out about three yards apiece. So you, could not get, you couldn't just put the guy in motion because there was somebody there. And they and they put a, a fifth guy in the middle to kind of you know because the offensive line didn't know what they were doing. Every time the guy dropped back, he tried to look right or left, but there was somebody there in his face. And by the way, there was somebody coming up the middle. They had no ability, none whatsoever, to drop back three or four times in a row and not get the guy killed. They looked just like the Bears because now you're down to this is what we have to do and we can't do it. And uh, you know, and and I, I don't. And at that point, you can't say. The other team has now sized them up the whole game, realized all the stuff they can't do, and they've made all the adjustments, and now you can't adjust back because you don't have anybody. You can't all of a sudden start blocking because you can't. I mean, You're it, playing spy versus spy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and if you run out of options because you're just not good enough, that's fine. 
but maybe, maybe if you adapt early before they adapt back, maybe you're able to get some points on the board and the game's going to be uh, uh, on the line. You might even, God knows, well, might even have a lead. I, I, I'm going to, okay, we got a dash here, Kevin. Uh, we got to talk tomorrow more about this bowling thing because is it a system-wide problem uh, and is it partially because we have a duopoly and we have no competitors? You got to buy Boeing stuff, and they beat up on the union a little bit or not. Let's talk about tomorrow, because I mean that's what you you cover. Well, let's, let's talk about you know quality management and manufacturing. And yes, how that works. absolutely. SP okay. Futures down seventeen. We want to go right to Kenny. We should just do that. Why don't we do that? We do. So, Kenny, what? Uh, how would you uh, change your play calling if all of a sudden your center and guards suck? I don't know what I would do at that point. I have no idea what I would do if the center guard side. I would say, why would I be but an I, offensive supporter for this team when I could but, be on a team that they actually give guys that play? I hear you. But I know what I would do if the tone of the market changes, right? Yesterday, yeah. the tone of the market appeared to change, uh, which I think was really just much more of a much more of a bounce off, off, off a, of a swift oversold condition. You saw it, certainly tech names like Apple, names like NVIDIA, names that had been leading the market higher in 23, suddenly come under pressure in the first four days of the year and so I think part of that was a little tactical bounce and yesterday like I put it in my note you know the Apple the, the, the relative strength index on Apple had now pierced below 30 it was at 28 and change I said that's just a ripe signal for a bounce right not necessarily that the, the, the story changed but a bounce and in fact that's exactly what we saw yesterday right and then it was that dragged all, everything tech anything that had tech uh, associated with it rallied hard yesterday uh, you know, NVIDIA came out with some positive news about what they're doing with China. Why they're so interested in sending chips to China, other than you know locking them up as a as a client. You know, as long as those uh, as long as those chips uh, uh, meet the regulatory compliance restrictions that the U.S. has put on. But all that's been positive news. Then you got the rumor that NVIDIA is going to split its stock because the last time it did it, it was trading at the same price, five sixty ish. I think last night it closed at five twenty two. So there was all the speculation. Oh, are they going to are they going to split it again? And you know how people react to a story like that. So that only helped to fuel that argument. And then Kathy Wood gets on TV, you know, and reiterating her call that the Fed is due to uh, due to slash rates in 2024, which means that anything tech growth and disruptive growth in her case uh, should benefit. And so all those conversations yesterday just dragged anything in that sector, anything cyber, artificial intelligence, uh, the semis, anything higher. Um, which feels good, but I think it's just a flash in the pan. I think that you know the market's going to continue to churn a little bit lower as we move into uh, earnings season, which doesn't mean it's going to crash. Doesn't mean people need to panic. Look, we're only down less than one percent. What's everyone panicking about? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? We could trade the S and P. The, the the indexes could trade that between zero and nine percent and still be within what's considered a normal trading range. So I think this Kenny is, really is a nothing. is is a is a market analyst. You're, you're as yep. good as I know, as a as a psychology guy of the new world. <laughs> neither one of us have figured this out. Uh, I hear you, which is why which is why I always say, as a long term investor, you got to kind of eliminate the the, the short term noise that 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 everyone creates, the Twitter and LinkedIn and the and the Reddit sites and the news and all that stuff. And you got to talk to people like you and me and design a plan and then stick to it and let it play out. You can't you can't be emotional. You can't be reacting. I'm trying to, t- to pick tops and bottoms in a long term account. You do that in a day trading account. You don't do that in a long term investment account. Well, but you you have uh, some some stuff that when you hear in this time of the year, 
it's not unusual to have all the talking heads. How Kathy Wood's even on TV anymore after her performance <laughs> in the last three years? I mean, I, I can't even go there. But uh, and why any, why anybody would listen to her? Popular yet. Well, sure. I mean, I mean, I, but the when everybody talks about the Fed, well, they, yesterday looked to me we're we're right back to the we're down for a few days in a row. Of course, we we somehow someplace money enters the system, it starts to run up, and all of a sudden every every offer is is canceled. There isn't there That's isn't right. a seller anywhere. We just Go up, go up, go up, and if it wasn't for three o'clock, we'd have been up another hundred spook points. I mean, it just was. It was just, and well, everybody, it, hap- it happens electronically, right? The algos that that that, that control the market, they can they can cancel offers or bids at a moment's notice yeah. in line, leaving a void either on the upside or a void on the downside. Which is why you see these dramatic moves up and then the equally dramatic moves down. And we know the moves down though are also are always a little bit more dramatic because it's down and not up, right? But it's all controlled, which is why that's so frustrating and why I think investors, you know, at some point get super frustrated about how can this happen? You know, how, how can how can the, the, the prices swing that much intraday? And it makes no sense. Everybody, it's, all, it's everybody just, there is there is no standing order, there is no real market like you and I are used correct. to seeing. But you know right. the weird part, Kenny, is when you, when you, I don't know why I just keep doing this, but you, you show your face on TV and you start ranting and raving about five or six rate cuts. Yeah. I- implied in that discussion is, is the rates going up have somehow decimated the market. And oh, by the way, if they go the other way, we're going to get some of that back. Yet I, I, I did something you know you're never supposed to do if you go on TV. I actually looked. You know, from the day they started the rate increases, the market yeah. the market's higher. Yeah. Yes. So, so the, the market is so, higher. So, right? so somewhere along the line, if you were to say, "Wow, if it if it rains tomorrow, uh, our corn's going to grow a foot and a half." Well, yeah, but it's grown a foot and a half since the last time. <laughs> I mean, it, it's there. You need. I'm not. I'm not saying that that if we start slashing rates, we won't go higher. We probably will, but at least let people know that it's not like we're down. <laughs> <laughs> that since, since no. they raised them, I mean, at least give somebody the the the, the, the ability to make the decision with all the information, not half. Well, of agreed. It. I mean, look, we're kissing highs, right? Yeah. We are really kissing the highs. We're not anywhere near the lows, and we've had eleven rate hikes uh, over the last you know nineteen months or whatever it's been, right? And now, well, which I th- which I think actually, you and I, I think agree. That we've gotten it back to what would be considered historically normal, right? Somewhere yeah. around five percent, right? Uh, short short term rates, five percent. Short term rates at at five is a little high. Short term rates at five are a little is a little bit high. Yes, I would agree with you, but there needs to be some adjustment period. They were held at they were held at abnormal rates right. for so long that there needs to be a little bit of a you know kind of a bounce back, and then they need to find their way, which I think they will, and I think the market can function fine the, the broader market can function fine with 10-year yields at you know around five percent for i mean four and a half to five percent it always did for years and years and years it always did i think now it's a little bit of a shock because they were zero for 16 years and you've got a whole yeah. generation of people that have that, that have no idea how to function in a four and a half or five percent rate environment you know you know what else kenny and this is a i'm going to definitely touch up on nvidia here in a minute but you know I had a couple of discussions, and I'm not saying my, our producer was part of one of them. Uh, younger people that have that have uh, been used to this interest rate during this part, during this last you know 12, 15 years, whatever it is, 
they have zero idea no of the concept of Im- Im- implied uh, rates. They have zero idea of the idea that when you buy something, you have to you look at the rate and you see if you can make more. They they could never value a project like I learned how to do, because the, right. mon- the, the money it's it's like what, money for nothing and the chicks for free. It, it it's <laughs> like the old MTV. I mean, money is free, and, it, and if you even introduce the idea that wow, why would anybody buy this football team for $5 billion? Because even if you could get interest rates at, at 6.5%, you're talking $330 million a year of interest. Yeah, but, but a guy like Elon Musk or Zuckerberg, they don't care. Okay, but that, how, did, how that in, is even part of an investment decision, I have so much money, I don't care. I, right. But, you know, I, I, I don't, I never, you've been doing this a while with me, Kenny, I, I never zero in on a company that I like or don't like very much, actually. Uh, why does this NVIDIA really make me nervous? This The guy, the, the the chairman looks to me like a two-bit carny huckster, and we're going to come out with a what? rule about chips for China, and he comes out the next day and says, we're going to be within a half a red one of, of the rule and still sell stuff to China. And I see China going down every single day. Something here is weird, Kenny. I mean, it, it, it's starting to smell to me, and I, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody not to buy it. I'm not going to tell anybody to sell it, but something seems strange to me here, and I, and I can't put my finger on it. Is there something wrong with this company that we're going to find out someday in, in sort of a bad way? I'm not so sure there's something wrong. I think what's very interesting to me is that, you know, we've put restrictions on, on the kinds of chips we can sell to China and all that stuff. And, you know, he came back and made this big announcement that they're going to mass produce these chips that they can send to China that meet the regulatory requirements. Lead me to ask, why is he so interested in sending all these chips to China other than locking up that, you know, that client base, right? Now he's locked it in. It'll be, it'll be, uh, they'll be loyal to NVIDIA and he locks in, um, uh, you know, earnings and, and growth uh, for the foreseeable future is the only thing I see because otherwise, why is he so hell-bent on making sure that China gets these chips um, which is kind of curious to me. Do I think there's something else? No, I think they are right on the right at the forefront of AI. I think they control the space. I mean, I think AMD's you know crawling right up their backside um, as well. And I don't think people pay enough attention to AMD. But I do think Nvidia is way out there in the lead. The other thing is that you know, like I said to you at the very beginning, that rumor that that, that started yesterday about Nvidia possibly splitting the stock because it's at a range where they split it the last, last time in July of 21, where they split it four for one. Um, and so if they do that again, you know, you know how that creates all kinds of excitement as well. Actually, you know what, Kenny, that was, when I was in grad school, that was one of the biggest studies the University of Chicago had done at the time. Yeah. As to whether or not a stack split was good for a stack in terms of it going up. Now, in those days, uh, maybe it was a little better because you could, it was very difficult to buy one or two or three shares. You had to pay more and your commissions were higher, so... I'll use the term odd lot, which is what you call it. We're very, we're yep. difficult to do. Okay, so, yep. um, but now th- that today it's, not. It's, today it's not. And, uh, right. and they you, did you this. You can even go to some places like Fidelity Schwab and you can buy a half a share. Yeah. Right? You don't even have to buy a round lot, which was one share. You're right, like a full a full one share. A well, round a round lot, lot was a hundred share. Round, round lot was a hundred Right, yeah. but I mean a full share, right? One share. Now you can buy a half of a share. If well, you don't have enough money, but you can get, and it's encouraging, it's democratizing investing, and it's encouraging people to put money away. But now you can, you can do that, right? 
And the idea that NVIDIA is one of the hottest names in the in the tech group and it's trading at $500 gives people the impression, I can never buy that, I don't have the $500 or I don't have $1,000, whatever it is. But suddenly if it's if it's $130, if they split it four for one again, it becomes $130 stock, then they feel like, oh, wow, I can buy it now. You know what I mean? And they do. Well, my, uh, I'm not... And I'm not trying to be Matt Dillon here and Mr. Law and Order, but we come out with these regulations, we, our government, come out with these regulations yeah. on stuff you can send to China. Now, the reason why we're doing this shouldn't be, I mean, you, people shouldn't be that dumb. The guy just went out two weeks ago said, we're going to take over Taiwan like this year. So, well, so, and, I mean, so it's not like... By the <laughs> way, did you see the news overnight? They sent the spy balloon out over Taiwan last night or today, yesterday, whatever it was, just ahead of their elections, right? Putting uh, uh, Taiwan's viewing it as an act of aggression, has been very cautious, but but may choose to shoot it down. And you know what that's going to do if they shoot it down, right? Well, yeah. And so, so Gigi is, is playing out just like he's told everyone he's going to do. It's mine, I want it back, and I'm going to take it back. Meanwhile, his country's falling apart, but that's not his. Okay. <laughs> right. But I guess what I'm saying, in this day and age, uh, when these big companies are so friggin' powerful, do you think there's any chance if... Well, I don't know much about these chips, but, but Carl could probably figure it out because he's a, one of those guys. There's a chip you're not supposed to send. This guy says, I'm as close to I possibly can, but they're legal. Who, right. Whose job is it to buy 10 of those chips, inspect them, and see if he's over the line, and if he is, put him in jail. Well, I don't know whose job. That's interesting. I don't know whose job that is. And and it's interesting because he said that he that they are compliant. He also made the, the article made the, the point that he's going to mass produce these, um, which is kind of interesting to me that they would use that language, like mass produce. Like, where are they going when they get to China? What are they going in? Yeah, what are they going to do with these things? Right, but do we, do we? I mean, do we have any ability to police any of this stuff? Is my question. I, I don't. I don't well, think we do. Well, I would hope we do, since we're putting the regulations in. I would hope there's someone looking to see what he's producing if it meets the requirement. But you're right. I, I have no idea. I, I think these big companies are laughing at any kind of governments yeah. all over the all over the globe. Yeah. No. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's very it. healthy, to be honest with you. I'm not. I don't want people in jail. I don't want people fined. I want people to, to use the common sense. I mean, if I mean, I mean, I, I would actually. Uh, read some stuff. Can uh, we go over a minute here, if you don't mind it? Having to do with what would have happened if Hitler would have waited another three or four years before he invaded Poland, and how many people here would have been up up his behind selling him stuff and and doing stuff? And we had so many people here that were so happy with that they had a big customer over there, the Lindberghs of the world, the Joe Kennedys of the world, and they. I saw saw pictures of these big rallies in Madison Square Garden about. They didn't exactly call themselves Nazis, but they were Americans for something, something. There was there was another name for it, but basically yeah. we're not. I mean, the same thing. You 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 think this guy Nvidia gives a rat's ass about the U.S.? No, I I and no, I think he gives a, a rat's ass about his own bank account. No, yeah. so, so your point, no, he doesn't. And and, and that's a problem for me. I mean, but uh, right, I, I agree. But somebody needs to hold him responsible. So I would like to think that the industry or the government is in fact. You know, breathing Guys, right that's down lost, his neck. That's making, lost GDP. Making, yeah, like Greg just says that's lost right. GDP. We don't want that. Right, right, right. I mean, but, exactly. But you can't. You, you can't have the two masters. You can't be a slave. No. Did you ever read uh, Kenny? One question, then we'll let you go. Did you ever read the Sovereign State of ITT? I did not. Um, I'm gonna. Should I? I'm gonna go try. And, well, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go buy one. No, you don't want to read the whole thing. <laughs> but there, there is a page when Harold Janine. He's at a cookout, r- yeah. early in the book, 
and he was one of these first, what do they call him? They used to call him, uh, uh, how was the name of the companies? He used buy other companies, right? LTV was one. Yep. Uh, conglomerates. Right. Conglomerates. Yep. yep. And, and he actually thought that business should govern the world, and his whole thought process was where I have to deal with these morons that run these companies and, or countries, and I just got to minimize them and, and get them out of the way because business business is way more important than when the U.S. or Britain or France or anybody wants you know they they should be the power elite, and I, I tell you what these people feel that way now. They're they're Harold Janine's grandkids, I think, that run right. these places. I mean, you think Zuckerberg cares about Biden or Trump? No, I don't think. No, no, I don't think they care specifically about Biden or Trump. Or, or anybody in that office. They've any, no, 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 no. But I think they care about you know promoting the Democratic Party. I don't think they care about who's in charge. Well, they just so, want to promote the party. Well, they they I think if the Republicans get in, they'll promote them. They, these guys, they, I don't think they care. I mean, in, 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 I mean, in Chicago, do you think people would care? I mean, whether whether if the mayor going if he looks like he's going to win, you give him money, right? You do. You're a mayor. I wouldn't give you a mayor. I'm, I'm saying. I'm just shocked. I'm just shocked that you guys even voted that guy in. I'm shocked. Well, we, we went to this. I don't know if you know the process. We went to this uh, process where everybody can can run. So we have this 10, 12 people on the ballot. They're not not Democrat Republican at all anymore. Right. And then. Then you pick the first two. So the people who get in, get on the ballot, Lori Lightfoot had 85,000 votes in a city of 3 million people to get on the ballot. Right. right. I mean, so it's, it's, it, the, new, the new method, in my opinion, is not functioning. I don't know which a better one would be. But you, 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 don't, you don't need very many votes to put, put you on. And once well, you're why at, can't they just go back to the way it was? Why did they I, change I, that I, process? Well, it used to be, you know, the Democrat-Republican, but... Uh, it's it's always been like this in Illinois, uh, Kenny. And in, I lived in Evergreen Park, which is just southwest of the city. Not yeah. only you couldn't you could not run as a denomination, being Democrat or Republican. In fact, every four years you had to change the name of the party. <laughs> One year it was the Good Government Party. The next year it was the Better Government Party. They 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 didn't want the Democrat Republican thing going, saying that right. that, that that that's where people have to vote for this guy because he says he's a Democrat or for a Republican. You, the right. idea is to make somebody vote exactly for for the person. Now, whether it's right. <laughs> whether it's working or not in a city like Chicago, I don't know. But I mean, I mean, you look at the vote totals. Uh, I'm going to say, you know what? Next week we'll talk about it. Now, I, I don't think I don't think he got over hundred thousand votes in the first one. So we're talking about definitely um, the minority government of some kind. I, I think it, I think it's scary. I mean, as an outsider looking in, I don't live in Chicago. I get no no you know no skin in the game in Chicago. It's just as an outsider looking in. I'm just amazed at what I hear this guy say and how he says it and who he blames and what he and 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 I I'm just amazed. I don't understand why Kenny, the no man, one else. The is man was on the he was on the payroll of the of the uh, city teachers. He taught for like a year or two, then he became yeah. some kind of an organizer for them, and he still has the he had paid as a consultant and he qualifies for a pension as a teacher. And he only taught like one year or something. He was on What's the his background? He, What's his he's, educational he's, background? I mean, he's a, he's a community organizer for the teachers' union. So when, right. you go, when you go into this 10, 12, 15 people on the ballot, and you come yeah. out of there with the, the, the teachers' union people were at the polls. So, yeah. so, so you get 100,000 votes out of those people, that's enough to win. It, it, it literally, it's almost like you know three wolves and a hen voting for what they have to breakfast. You know, I hear you, but can they, but, but but does he have? Where do he go to college? Does he have a? We'll have all have this. A, you know what? We'll have all this for you next week. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it. 
Fair uh, enough. It's amazing today. But yeah, sure. All right, buddy. You take care of yourself. Right, Have a good week. Yeah, you SP Futures down uh, 20. Nasdaq was down 96. Real quick break, and we'll be back with Al Snar. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! What in God's name is that? SP Futures on 19, NASDAQ Futures on 94. What is that? Oh, there we go. That's the, what is that, the second string of the. Uh, We have a lot of uh, is that for Joel? I think we could have gone with the short version of that. What do you think, Joe? <laughs> we should play the Washington State fight song that was in the movie uh, Volunteers with uh, uh, Tom Tuttle from Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Every every student at Washington State when I was in school, that was basically required reading. Watch. Watch volunteers with uh, Tom Hanks and and uh, um, John Candy. Second place is first loser. Hell. Oh God. <laughs> the uh, um, I don't even know what to say to that. Um, you know what? We, I, we, had, we had the best. We had the best fight song in in the country. I think we don't have the best football team. We're the best athletic, athletics program, but we had the best fight song. I'll tell you, University of Utah. When I first heard their fight song, I was on the. Uh, the tracks, which is the L or the subway in Utah, and I was riding the tracks to the Washington State Utah game a few years ago, uh, I think 2013 or 14, and they were playing the fight song on the tracks because what happens on game day is you give them, you can scan your ticket and it's free passage on tracks. You don't have to you know drive and park the stadium, and I just kept thinking, is that a beer drinking song? <laughs> Uh, it sounds like a beer drinking song at a frat house. Well, the, uh, I believe, I, you know, it, it couldn't be. The, uh, um, they, they, they say that the Notre Dame fight song is the original one, but it can't be. I mean, uh, the, um, I, I don't see how it It's could the be. original fight song? That's, well, they claim it was the first, America's first flight fight song. It, it can't oh, really? Be. Okay. Because, I mean, if you, if you go back to the real, uh, uh, you go back to the to the older days. I mean, if you, I mean, if you, anybody, the tri- trivia question always is who's got more, uh, uh, you know, who has more national championships than anybody in football. Well, if you go back, it's not even close. It's like Yale. 
Didn't they have like 30 in a row or something, or 25 in a row in the late 1800s? Yeah, I mean, that's where, I mean, football started up there, and uh, it was a different game back then. I mean, they had that wedge, and it was brutal. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really a lot, brutal. But it was a lot football like, it was, it was brutal in a way, and not brutal in a way. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, when you when you look at the uh, uh, now, I think it's way more brutal, in the sense that oh, you think so? Oh yeah, because guys, you're moving faster. Yeah, if people are wearing when I, when I when I say if if you ever played, you know, in a, even in a park league or you played some people got one of the actually some guy in the pros was on an interview and he mentioned people used to get tired together. Everybody mm-hmm. played both ways. And every and, and the fields weren't so hot, and your uniform was pretty heavy, and and you the 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 speed of the game, not just the people, the speed of the game was slower. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's like when you when you were 15 years old, you would play football in the snow. You could play tackle football, so what? Nobody could run very fast. You're in the snow, right? Yeah. Nobody got hurt. But now, when 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 somebody is playing, you know, uh, a, a certain thing, and all of a sudden you you put your your third down back in, or you put your your safety that's only playing 10 plays a game, well, he's fresh as a daisy in the fourth quarter. He's going to hit somebody yeah. way harder than that. It, so you get this unevenness during the game, of, of, of even in, in terms of fatigue of, during the game. You know, it's like, it, it, it's, a lot, it's a lot different, I, I, I think. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's changed a lot. And when you start having all these subs, and nobody gets tired together. Nobody, nobody has a uniform. In uh, Butkus's book, they talked about, they played a game in, in Milwaukee against the Packers, and Hals was such an idiot. He, he hated, uh, um, what's his name, uh, uh, Lombardi so much, that Butkus and, 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 and Buffon played the entire exhibition game because hmm. he wanted to beat Lombardi. But he wouldn't pay up for, for jerseys. So at the end of the game, Butkus and Buffon put their two jerseys on the scale, and it was like 60 pounds or something because they were, they, wow. were, they, were, they were like <laughs> soaked through. They, they said they couldn't even move. <laughs> it was like it was like you know, words. Yeah, go ahead. Know, the funny thing is, when I played high school football, we played. I played on the punt team. I played on kickoff team. I played on the defense. Played in the offense, and I don't remember ever getting tired. And we were, we we would blow people out like 50 to 10 or something, and I don't remember getting tired. Maybe it's the the sheer size of a player, you know, running around. For a couple hours at their size, because I was like 190 pounds, 190 pounds, and I honestly do not remember getting tired ever. Ne- never, not even in a loss. I don't remember getting tired. Well, I never came out of so basketball. I never came out of a basketball game. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I used to be able to play uh, in my 20s. I'd play 10 games in a row. We, you know, have winner take the court. We keep winning. I play 10 games in a row, and not even get tired. Well, the, the, so I, I don't understand how. I don't think people get honestly. I don't think people get tired. I think they just get demoralized. The offense can't move it. I think if you have, uh, depending on what you are, I don't. If you're some a a really big defensive lineman, and all of a sudden you have to chase somebody, even if it's twenty yards, yeah, I think you're done for a bit. Those guys, there's in some some positions now. There's no, there's no aerobics to it. Yeah, there isn't. Uh, I mean, your your split ends and your cornerbacks can play all day. Yeah, you know, if you remember the movie All the Right Moves with Tom Cruise, one of the best high school movies of all time, with uh, Coach, yeah. you know, uh, playing Coach. Um, those guys used to do laps, right? I mean, we you, you did laps in the 80s. They don't do laps anymore, right? You don't no. do, like, 10 laps. 
That that used to be common, I think, in the seventies, eighties, because well, everybody had a BMW shoe. One of my buddies, uh, uh, Mark Duffy, he played at Michigan under Bo, and uh, I think he was a long snapper, you know, probably second, third string center, but he was a long snapper, and so. Bo was into this. Everybody had to be in condition. Everybody's running sprints. Yeah. And he says the only guy on the team that was allowed to be over 250 was Dan Deardorff. He was just that big. Mm. He said, everybody else, none of the offensive linemen were, were that size. Yeah. And, and uh, because everybody, it was all it was all movement. But we played funny, this is kind of a wacky story, but I actually saw Washington play down at Notre Dame, I don't know how many years ago. And I got these tickets. I just, you know, I never had tickets when I went down there. I was, a, I was always, I w- I'm going down. I'm getting the tickets when I'm there, kind of, kind of guy. So I end up with these two tickets right in the middle of the Washington section. They're like in a 25, 30 yard line, not very far, but great seats. I'm right in front of the Washington bench, and Washington's got these two guys. They're both African American. They are huge. And I'm looking at them, and I don't know who I was with. I go, how did these two guys pass a physical? Hmm. I mean. They're, I mean, hell, we're talking about, you know, dangerously obese. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm, I got a few extra pounds, but these guys, you know, I don't know what they were, 3-7. I mean, they were huge. And uh, I'm thinking, what do they even do? And all of a sudden, Washington scores a touchdown, and they go out, and they, they would sit in the mirror in the middle of the line of the, uh, for the extra point. So, okay, they, all they did was do the field goal. They start jogging out there. Before they got to the hash mark, they had to stop and walk the rest of the way. Wow, and I, and I mean, if you'd have ran behind them, this is gross, and stuck a match between their legs, the thing would have lit right up. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how these guys even even got through the day, let alone yeah. go go through a football practice. Yeah. I, mean, I, I I don't know. That, that is something different, and I think uh, I think the fridge kind of changed that. Right? But the fridge I mean, was the fridge yeah. was a freak. The fridge was yeah, maybe three hundred pounds, and he yeah. could dunk a basketball. And his workouts yeah. used to be. He'd get a three-foot table in front of him, and it would both feet. He'd jump up on the table. Name me anybody that can yeah. do that. Let yeah, alone. he was a freak, but you know, they, he was like Charles Barkley back in the '80s. Uh, it was, you know, you, uh, you were considered um, out of shape if you looked like Charles Barkley or, or, or the Fridge. But those guys, Chuck was only like what six four, six five. Yeah. If that, I mean, I think Danny Ainge was taller than Chuck. And that dude, I don't care if he had a little extra gut, a uh, little extra gut, but that guy was awesome. Some guys and, are just uh, some guys are just built that way. From the Olympic team, yeah, the some guys of, just come from the football, the basketball team, the Olympic team in '84. Some guys Bobby are Knox, just uh, some guys are just built that way. And, and if you go back yeah. and, and look, the two, you know, well, I wish had a lot of stars when I was there in basketball. But when I was a freshman, Austin Carr was was incredible. I mean, he still holds the record. He is he holds four of the top ten point scoring games in NCAA history, four of them. And this is before they had a three-point line. But he used to watch this guy play every night. He averaged over a point a minute in high school and college. I mean, can you even imagine that? He was probably 6'2"-ish. But what I didn't really realize at the time, you know, I was too young and dumb, he he was a solid 15, 20 pounds heavier than anybody kind of he played against, any of the other guards. He just had strength that they didn't have. He, that's, yeah. they, the Lithuanians I used to play basketball with used to call it, he, can, he, he takes up space. He'd go down, he'd back up, he'd give somebody a nudge, and the guy would keep going. He was just, he was just stronger than everybody else. And same way with Adrian Dantley. Adrian Dantley was maybe an inch taller than me. I was 6'4". He was maybe 6'5". Yeah. The guy had hands as big as can be. He had a broad shoulders. And both of those guys now that they're men, they're probably wearing 
size 52 coats, and they're not that heavy. They're just yeah. huge men. They were, they were, yeah. when, when you have most of your, your guys that are 6'2 as a guard or 6 feet, 190, and all of a sudden one guy's 6'2", and he's, and, he, and he's a ripped 205, that's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Adrian Danley was, he, uh, that guy was, uh, Akeem before Akeem, that guy had incredible footwork. He played, he played for the Jazz for a while, and, and uh, man, that guy was, he had low post moves, and I think he had to because he wasn't, you know, tall, kind of like Barkley. But they would, they would, they had incredible leg strength. So, yeah. so what they would do is they, I mean, they would just back into you. They'd kind of lean their butt into you because I played against the guy. Lean their butt into you, and then he just he'd have a real quick jump away jump shot, and you couldn't block it. I couldn't. I mean, yeah. my shot, I, well, I didn't come close. But but I mean, other guys couldn't. You you can't get there. Same thing with Austin yeah. Austin Carey. He'd come at you, nudge a little bit, and he'd back up. The ball was gone. You could you could not get it. I don't care who you were. What yeah. would have trouble well, getting? I think the know. key the key to the little post is not the elbow, the chicken wing. The key is how you use your butt and how right. you drop step. That's the key because officials not going to call an offensive foul on you using your butt that way. But if you use your elbow that way, it's going the other direction. It's also so it always, always anticipating the post that way. It's anticipating what the other guy is going to do. It. Yeah. I mean, I remember Chet Walker who was uh, he, he was a uh, little outspoken, so he's not thought about in the NBA very highly. But he was an incredible ball player. Um, Chet, what they would say, he was considered one of the best one-on-one players in basketball. And uh, it's in a late one day's some ladies interview. And she goes, uh, Chad, how do you know what, when your moves? What moves do you uh, do you decide to do against the guy? And he goes, I don't decide to do a move. I watch what he does and I react to him. If hmm. he if he's got this foot forward, I go that way. I mean, it's it's uh, pretty interesting. That that a lot of that coaching is lost now. The one on one play. Yeah. I mean, uh, I got taught some of this stuff because one of my buddies was a really good basketball player. He was played freshman ball in Indiana under Bobby Knight, and one of the uh, Dr. J had a, uh, um, a dinner a long time ago, and one of the ladies was uh, she was a really good high, high school basketball player, and she was trying to work on her game. And I said, "Well, you really should play more one on one with people during the summer, or two on two, or three on three, because every one of those things you have to increase your skills." And she and I said, uh, "She goes, what do you mean?" I said, "Okay, give me the dish towel." All right, that's the ball. Guard me. And she's standing there. She gets in her stance, and I said, which way am I going? She goes, what are you talking about? I said, no, which way am I going? She goes, I have no idea. So I'm going that way. So you got that foot forward. You can't, you can't chase me that way. You can the other way. So don't put your foot forward like that. Don't, I mean, you can't, you can't guard me. And you're faster than me, but I, I'm going right around you. All I have to do is fake this way. You, you move this way, and all of a sudden you can't get back. It, it, it's, it's anticipating... And I was never very good, but but you can you can be better than your skill set if you learn this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I watched I, I watch uh, Elijah and Dantley when I was a kid, and I'd go practice their low post moves, their footwork. And there was a time in my twenties where I could drop step left, drop step right, I could fake a pass, I could step back, and my step back uh, Jay on the block. I was only six foot one. But my step back, uh, Jay, it was like a layup. I could hit it off the glass all day long. My brother Rod, on the other hand, he, he could he could pull up and hit threes uh, deep, um, but he had no uh, jumping ability. You I see, when I when I played when I played, there were no threes. They, we we yeah. had this we had this uh, thing where I, I sponsored a team, you know, some disease, muscular dystrophy or something, something, over the stadium, and uh, I sponsored a team, and I was like our was four on four but I was our fifth guy right because I didn't want to play I was too old 
I ended up playing all day because everybody else got hurt, but we'll talk about being stiff the next day. But uh, the first time I, I saw a three-point line, the pro line, I, I couldn't hit a jump shot from back there. It was, I, <laughs> I had a sling it. it. It's really back there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's well. I refereed a I refereed an Indian tournament with my brother Rod uh, when I was in college, um, second time around at the Navy, and we're doing this Indian tournament out at Lapway, Idaho. In Lapway, Idaho, their high school team was really good in the '80s. I think they won 86 straight games. They were on Good Morning America. They were doing their their war dance before the game on ABC. It was a really big deal. I go out there to do a tournament and. The three-point line at the nation's court was further out than the three-point line of an NBA team. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, it was out there. And there are grandmas. I'm, I'm seriously, 50-year-old grandmothers hitting that thing probably 30% of the time. Well, I mean, they just played ball out there. They played ball all day long. It was crazy. All right, so we got to talk about the economy. What, what do you what do you think is going down in, in, a, in a highly esoteric, what do you think is happening at Boeing? You know, I, I kind of think, I've been thinking about this a little bit. I kind of think when government sets standards, it's kind of like a minimum standard. It's kind of like the uh, the uh, amusement parks. In Utah, there, uh, there's no regulator of amusement parks, but in New Jersey, there's regulators of amusement parks. And in Utah, you know, you don't have to, you don't, you're not required to meet a minimum standard, government standard in your amusement park. So, and you don't want anybody to die because if somebody does, you're gonna, you know, your business is gonna close. And you don't want that to happen. And so the maintenance, I think the maintenance of the, the equipment is at a higher standard because there's no minimum you can lean on. And I think when you get in these government regulations, these minimum standards of food defects, you know, a quantity of rota poop per pound of cocoa beans. When you get in these government standards where you're meeting the standard, you, you meet the standard, right? And if something happens, you can say, well, we were meeting the government standard, and you, then you can uh, slough off the uh, the liability. You can claim in court that you're meeting the government standard. So I think a lot of times when we think about regulations, we think that we're safe. You know, meat regulations, uh, airplane regulations, you know. The, these are arbitrary numbers set by, you know, experts. But, they're again, they're minimum standards of quality. And I think that's the kind of thing that happens. I mean, if, if Boeing, if there was no government regulations and uh, – Planes were falling out of the sky. Boeing would be out of business. They'd be sued. How can they be out of they business? They're the only they're, they're the only manufacturer. How can they be out of business? Well, you know, but there 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 are reasons why there's only one or two firms in industry in the United States because industries are heavily carlized through regulations and what. They should so, never they should never been allowed to take over Lockheed. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, but I think they were able to. I mean, the government allowed them to do to do that, and you know, and and we have anti. Uh, trust laws on the books, but yet the government allowed them to do that. So it's not like those antitrust well, laws work. Somehow, somehow, I don't know how they're they have this you know fight going with the union. Where this these things are manufactured, I think it's still in Washington, but they can't wait to move another place somewhere. They're going to tell the union they're going to go to another state where uh, you know. Th- it's non-unionized. They have stuff going on in South Carolina. So there's this constant... Yeah, there's a billion-dollar plant in South Carolina. Yeah, so there's this constant... That's what they do the 787s. There's this constant fight between, you know, who gets what and where. But you're, you're a duopoly, a worldwide duopoly. Well, I guess you could yeah. count, you could, you could put Bombardier, Bombardier in there or whatever those guys are named, but they're, they don't do big jets. They do the smaller ones. Uh, they, they're they a worldwide duopoly. I mean, and they can charge whatever they want. So, yeah. but the... the 
I don't I don't understand how you know the guys that the guys at Pullman who you know there were guys that came in hung over once in a while but you have an inspector you did stuff with the the pride in work you realize that, that people were riding on these railroad cars and you I mean I uh, Audrey's dad has been I don't know how many he's probably been dead five six years at least he made it to like 98 and he was in the army and I got incredible stories from the dude and he worked for uh, Ryerson Steel and Ryerson did a lot of the of the metal work of the John Hancock building and uh, the, which is a really interesting building because it's triangulated they were able to use less steel and we'd drive by there once in a while and he'd say Tom that building's never coming down because you see those beams he goes I drilled a bunch of those holes and I guarantee you they're in the right spot Absolutely guaranteed are in the right spot, and that building is there forever. Now, same way at Pullman, they actually had a we had a they had a wreck of a in Boston of one of the cars we sent up there, and all these guys went out there, and all they cared about was how well the per, the car performed in the wreck to show how good of a car we made. I mean, these guys were they were old car knockers. They were they said mm-hmm. we'll repair it, but all the people even on the Massachusetts thing, all they did was say, wow, this thing performed exactly how it was designed. Nobody got hurt. I mean, you guys did, you built a great car. But how does how does somebody go home at night? I mean, when Carl's right, there's no way there was only one bolt missing in one plane. Oh no. No. So. But how does somebody go home at night, thinking that people are flying on this thing? And I got away today. I was hungover. Or I, or I did a, a gummy beforehand, and I just didn't put these bolts in five planes. How, how the hell does anybody even live like that? Yeah, no. I mean, if you think about a plane, I mean, a plane's got to be built lightweight. Lightweight sometimes, I mean, how do you make it lightweight? Um, you have to have special materials. Uh, in a motorhome, a, a massive motorhome, a lot of a lot of the stuff in the in a motorhome has to be lightweight because if it was built like an automobile, uh, it would probably get two miles a gallon. Yeah. So, I mean, so when you're building something that has to be lightweight to fly in the air, Versus something that rolls on steel rails. I mean, I think that right there is a really big engineering challenge. But, you know, I, I mean, if you really think about what Boeing and uh, its counterpart in Europe are, I mean, they're, they're essentially just government monopolies. I yeah, mean, well, that's, that, that's, that's all they are. They are right? They're just government monopolies. Well, they, they've worked their way into that, yes. And who knows, who knows, you know, what the real cost is on one of these planes or not. Um, yeah. You know, and, but, you, you know, you, you ask... I mean, if you look at space, if you look at space, for example, you got... NASA, who builds these really expensive rockets, and you got a guy like Elon Musk who builds them at a fraction of the cost and builds them better. I mean, so I think whenever you have a, a government monopoly, you're not really held accountable by anybody. You're well, but he he, uh, he also he, he didn't start from scratch. If you I know, I, I if, if you were to ask where he got the engineers and the engineering, you know where he yeah. got them from, right? Yeah. But I, mean, but I think he brings a different kind of management style. Um, and there are a lot of people compete against him, too, I think. I mean, there's a race for space in the private sector. Uh, but when you have a monopoly, uh, the customer, you don't really care what that customer I'll bet you NASA's gotten a lot go more. To. I'll bet NASA's gotten a lot more efficient, too, though, in the, in the last Maybe, 15 years. Maybe, yeah, because of the competition. Right? Yeah. Before they had, uh, they had as you know, I'm a, I'm, a big, I'm a big pusher in competition. But, I mean, yeah. it's this thing on these, on these planes, I mean, I, I mean... I used to sit next to the guys. Well, I was in the finance department. Right next to me was the, was the accounting department. Remember the days, Hal, when they would, uh, before Greg's time, when you would actually get the huge run of, of the big computer run with all the little, little holes on the side and stuff? 
they, yeah, they would yeah. drop it off at Down your desk. Printers. Yeah, yeah. And, and the guys would were being purchasing, and they're and they're cutting checks. That there had to be ten thousand parts, twenty thousand parts on a rail, railroad car. Some you know yeah, wow. bolts, every kind of bolts, this and that, and these kind of Torx screws and this kind of head neck. I mean, it's 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 got to be what? It's got to be one one hundredth of what goes in a plane. Yeah, I mean, it's not even close, and yet the complexity. But you can you can screw up. You know, if you're hung over at the assembly plant of your new Cadillac, and somebody forgets to put a bolt in the glove compartment, it's not life threatening. Yeah. But, but what what in a plane is not life threatening for guys? I mean, the, the, the the you know the tray in front of you probably isn't, or the seat, but anything to do with a door or a plug door, for God's sake! I mean, you would you would think, but and, and if these guys are having trouble with that kind of stuff, it kind of makes me nervous. To be honest yeah. with you. Well, I think I think it might be a cultural thing. I mean, there's this big shift in the culture where you know the, what you look like what kind of characteristics you have is more important in hiring than um how capable you are at your job and i'm, I'm speaking about a couple high profile college professors uh, you, you look at their resumes or cvs and you know you got they're talking about 11 publications i mean that that wouldn't get you tenure at uncg over the same university uh north carolina greensboro it wouldn't have got you tenure there but yet it gets you tenure at the most prestigious research university in the world, and then you become president. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's this, there's a shift away from, you know, um, high quality, you know, accomplished, merit based uh, promotions, to what's the demographic demographic profile I don't, I don't, of of the company, and if, I think that has something to do with it. If you end up with a, a total imbalance in capabilities in, in some area be it color wise be it religion wise be it whatever it is I would be all for trying to even that up as best I can but the, at the end of the day uh, picking a fireman that doesn't have any of the skills to be a fireman over somebody who does I can't yeah. go there because now all of a sudden you're, you're affecting the rest of the population yeah well think about the the Twitter spat that uh, Mark Cuban had with uh, Elon Musk over diversity and you know, Cuban was talking about how universities. Grow. I, I love diversity, especially diversity of thought, and I don't think we have enough of it. But Elon's counterpoint was like, "Well, let me know when you hire, you know, a female Asian woman to play on the the Mavericks basketball team," and it shut Elon Musk up. I mean, can you imagine diversity hires on an NFL football team? I, I, mean, I wouldn't want to play. Asian males. I wouldn't want Asian males playing on. On these NFL football teams, right? What about the, what, what are males under under five ten or something? Yeah, or or men over fifty. There, there's ageism. No, right? what about what about the lingerie, is, the lingerie team didn't want me in there. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> <laughs> S&P futures down twenty four. S&P futures down one twenty. On that note, we'll be right back. Stars and jocks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tim Howe. Greg Pappas on the board. S&P futures down 23 now. We started to come back a little bit, but now we're leaking the other way. But they were up 60 yesterday, so we're, we're not even, uh, well, we're back about a third, whatever that means, a third. Uh, is, that, is that a Pappas replacement, re- retracement, a third, Greg? What is that? You're Mr. Chart Guy? Definitely. It's a, you got to get yourself a, your, a name on one of these things. You know, it's got to be the, the Greg Pappas rule or something of futures trading. Just, you know. Think of one. If nobody else has got it, it's all yours. But Dow Futures down 170, uh, Boeing down another 230 as they found more loose bolts on something. I don't know what if it was the same spot or what. Goldman Sachs down 236, uh, Microsoft down 199. They were these guys were all up yesterday. Every one of the big high techs were way up. Apple they all had a big bounce back. Apple's down 140. Everything was up like three something yesterday. Over in Europe, we have the uh, DAX down 75 now. These guys are a little lower than they were a little while ago. Dex down 75.5%, FTSE down 8, they were unchanged, so that's 0.1%. CAC around on 35.5% over in Asia. We've got the Nikkei, 33-year high. Uh, it's up 385 to 1.2%. Uh, wow, I remember those guys being uh, 33, 34,000 back in, God, whatever year that was. I just started back in the 80s. And uh, then they went down to under 10 for like a long period of time. Ouch. Hang Seng, however, can't get out of its own way. Down 34 points, not very much. 0.2%, but still 16,190. Shanghai up 5, but still can't get back to 29,283. And for a long time, we thought 3,000 was as low as it was going to go. Not exactly. Yesterday, again, huge rally. Tops 216, and they were held back by Boeing being down like 20 bucks. So uh, it's it's almost, it's six. the multiplier on the Dow is uh, 6.8. So if a stock is up a dollar or down a dollar, that's $6.80 in the Dow average. So it's way more than the stock itself. Uh, S&P was up 66, NASDAQ up 319. Uh, bonds, four basis points, 4.04, back over 4% after ducking way down below that. Bund up nine basis points, 2.19. Japan down one basis point, 0.59. We've got oil uh, rallying today, up a dollar 91, 72.68. Uh, again, violently moving between maybe 70 and a half and 73 and a half, up down, up down in that in that range. Rent up a buck 84, 77.96. Natural gas up 12 cents. It's a big move. 310 as we're getting a little colder here in the U.S. Our Bob up 5 cents, 208. We've got gold with a little bit of a rally up 450, 2038. Trying to get back to 2050, um, but uh, still not anywhere near 2100. Silver down 3 cents, 23.28. Copper unchanged at 380. We got Bitcoin down 239, but still way up there, 46,702. 
is they try and uh, get this ETF decision, which means you'll be able to buy it easier and borrow to buy your Bitcoin. I'm not so sure that's a plus, but that's what they're going to do. Uh, Euro is uh, down 10 points, so the dollar's actually up a little bit. The Euro is at 109.4, and the British pound at 127, very little bit. What do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 7.38 here in Chicago. 36 degrees right now. 39 today with a mix of snow and rain. Cold in Phoenix also. 35 now and 56 today. Traffic's a little bit worse due to the rain. 17 minutes from Montrose. 33 minutes from Lake Cook. 27 from Wolf. 95th to the interchange is 28 minutes on the Rhine. And 294 to the Rhine on Stevenson is 37 minutes. Sports, NBA Bulls win in overtime. That was 119-112. And the Suns lose to the Clippers, 111-138. Uh, and the national championship, Washington 13, Michigan 34. Two TDs from Blake Corum. And that's all I got for you. Well, there you Back go. You, Chief. Hey, Al, what, uh, I, uh, I sent you to this one. Uh, Gabe, uh, Gabriel Cortez did a nice job here in... Uh, CNBC article talked about uh, is like 10 charts here from uh, 12 charts and a dozen charts of last year kind of reviewing the uh, the, uh, economy and um, you know unemployment rate Uh, but before I'm kind of surprised if you go if you go down the charts all you have to do is move the CPI number a point or two and some of us think it's off by way more than that Move a point or two, and all of a sudden everything looks different, doesn't it? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, for those that, that don't know, uh, younger people and so forth that don't have anybody around them in Social Security, if you, when you get your Social Security check, what comes out of the check is if you're over 65, your Medicare, your Medicare Part A, which the hospital is, I'll use the term included. Medicare Part B, which is the doctor, you have to pay for. And it's, you know, a hundred and some dollars a month, I think, for most people. Uh, that comes right out of your Social Security check. So if, you're, if you're, your payment's supposed to be 2200 you're actually getting like, you know, 2050 or 2030 or something. Uh, but this year, it's pretty interesting that the Social Security increase based on the CPI cost of living was 3.2%, but the increase in your Medicare Part B was like 5 <laughs> So, you're you're telling people. By the way, <laughs> yeah, I mean, are, have we become? That's right, Derek. Yeah, I mean, tips your hat, right? Yeah, how, how can you? How, how can we? And I'm not talking Democrat or Republican. How can the the view of people in government be that your society is so stupid they can't even pick up on this stuff, or they just don't care? We're we're we're, we're eunuchs. We're powerless. What what what, are they, what is their view of us when you can do that? Oh, by the way. And the part we're paying you, CPI is 3.2%, but the part that you're paying us, it's 5 I mean, how, do, how do you even do that? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, so what do, you, what do you make? I don't know if you had a chance to listen or how much you dug into them, because uh, you know, Carl, every, every Friday when the labor numbers come out, what do you make of last Friday's number where the, the establishment report, all that people are talking about for two days is how hot the number is, you look at the household number, and like we're down like six hundred or eight hundred thousand people. It's not. Yeah. Uh, how can they? How can they be that different? You know, what's the? I mean, part of the, the fundamental difference between the two reports is the establishment survey. If I mean, if if you called, uh, 
How many universities do you do work for now? Three? I work for... I'm teaching for two right now. Right, so if you call those two places, you're, 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 you're counted twice in the establishment survey, correct? I'm, I'm counted twice in the establishment survey, the payroll survey, and I'm counted once in the household survey. Right, so, yeah. but, but there's no way that, that that difference could be a million people in a month where people lost that many, actually gained on the amount of jobs, maybe somebody got a second or third job, but that that many, but, but so many, I don't know how it could even be that, that, that there could be that many losses of individual people somehow made up for by second jobs of other people. Is that even possible? Or, or is the household well, survey just catching up or something? Well, if you look at the trend in uh, multiple job holders, I, got, I downloaded it from the Fred, and the Fred is so lame because it seems like all the data trends are like two, three months old, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know why it is that they have to delay it two or three months. I mean, why can't they just give us the, the current numbers? But if you look at that trend, I think they, they probably get the, they probably get the numbers that month. By the time it works its way up to bureaucracy, it's like yeah. 60 days. Yeah. Um, but if you look at that trend, it's up. And I think it's up because of inflation. And you have to have multiple people working, multiple jobs in your household. Um, and you look at the... Uh, and I, I think what would, I think what that's telling us, where all they do is they talk about the the non-farm payroll establishment survey, when they when they only tout that, and they never discuss the uh, labor force, uh, or the employment level from the household survey, it kind of tells you who they are, depending on who the president is. So it always brings out my stats classes, and people will say, well. You can lie with statistics, right? And I go, well, yeah. Or you can just lie by omission. A Republican, if if a Republican were in the in the presidency right now, I think the focus would be on the household survey. But because the president right now is the Democratic Party, the um, focus is on the establishment survey. And they they ignore the household survey. So wait, 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 to wait, me, wait, it just reveals there's no there's no way there's no way on earth that that if Trump was in office or any Republican. They wouldn't be touting that number last week. No, I'm, I'm talking about the the media friendly to. The, I'm not talking about the media friendly to Trump. You know, it's Fox, Fox News and Fox Business Network and and talk radio. I'm talking about the media that's friendly to the Democrats, right? When you read when I read an article on CNBC and and they the only thing they talk about is the uh, establishment survey. But they, I, think like, they, I think I think they've been doing that. Survey? I think they've been doing that for 20 years. I don't think it matters who the president is. That's all. That, well, yeah, that's the one that comes I, out. This is the first time that I remember in the last couple of years is where there's never any talk of the household survey. Never. It's always talking about the first print of the establishment survey. It's maybe, all... maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm misreading history, but I remember analysts talking about both. I, I, the only thing I ever hear about on TV, and this time they didn't even mention it, was the 75,000 that went off the month before. They they totally ignored that, but I, I I never see these guys talk about the household survey. It's all, huh? But the the the, the I, I remember seeing but the unemployment about unemployment rate the household survey and the assessment both of them. I, I remember hearing they, both of them. But they never they never even say that the unemployment rate comes out of the the household survey. I know, yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah. They, they 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 just tout the one number and they roll with it. It's all that's all they can handle is one number. I think yeah, maybe, I, maybe maybe it is, but I I remember discussions where people had talked about. The household survey, the establishment survey, and now everywhere I look, to, you know, for an article, 
the only thing that you really see unless you go five pages into Google Google uh, search, the only thing you really see is articles talking about the establishment survey. Yeah. And to me, it's problematic because if you're a multiple job holder and you have three jobs, you're in that survey three times. Sure. In the household survey, you're only in that survey once. What, um, um, there's, a, there's an article here today, I'll, I'll kick it up here, um, having to do with the Biden administration is is really pushing. Trump administration has, these are these are executive orders, here, which I which I think I really screwed up with on either side um, uh, Trump made it easier for, for uh, people to be outside contractors which of course makes it easy on business right I mean that I mean for whatever reason you know the, the Republicans are, are always huge and they, they think the more they're big you know they're big on as, as much as I as I love you know a lot, a lot of the stuff the Republican I mean when, when it comes to uh, you know, a lot of the principles of, of good, sound management and government, I'm, I guess I'm a Republican. I'm in the middle, or at least I just know how to add. But, you know, the, the idea that somehow or another that the Republicans continue to espouse this trickle-down theory, you know what, I, I, I just can't go there. You know, we're just, just keep going more and more better for the bigger and bigger, and by the way, everybody else will benefit. I don't buy that in a second. Well, you know, I, mean, I never did. thing about that is I think the policies of the last couple of years – they're not benefiting middle-income people. Well, I, I, and, you know, not, Joe, not, whoa, I, Joe, Joe keeps on talking about how he's building an economy I, for, I, with the middle and out or something. I, I, I never once said yeah. that I like the other guy's policies either. Yeah. <laughs> what okay. I'm saying is I, yeah. I'm not a fan of the trickle-down. I mean, I just... I, mean, I think in the last 20 years, the gap between the really, really, really wealthy and everybody else has gotten wider. Well, what, without, because, without question. Yeah. A lot of has to do with the Fed, right? The Fed creates all this inflation. It has to do with the Fed... But but the the other side, the Democrats, by giving money to people they think they're giving it to, by the time it works its way through the bureaucracy and stuff, it becomes just another another part of the trickle down. It never gets to the last person. Oh no, it's like Washington State's welfare uh, program. Yeah. I have a friend in the Washington State welfare office, and it's like a, a research institution, right? And I think at one point. I remember reading this, you know, when I was doing my dissertation and a few years later when I was really into welfare reform uh, research. And I remember reading an article about how in Washington State there were there was like one uh, person working in the welfare system, uh, either research or client assistance or whatnot, versus two, one to two recipients of the of those checks. And it depends on who, who you're talking about, household or I yeah, think, total yeah. number of people, right? So, I mean, come on. I mean, who's getting really wealthy off this whole system? Well, Is now, it now it's a community organizer. Well, this isn't that new, Al. When, when, when Lyndon yeah. Johnson, how many people, Greg doesn't remember Lyndon Johnson. He wasn't here. Uh, his war on poverty. If yeah. he would have taken the entire amount that they spent, divided by the amount of people in poverty and sent them a check, he wouldn't have had any poor people. Yeah. Well, I mean, they might have blown it or, or, or done something wrong with it or bought drugs with it, but I don't know how much that was going on in those days, but the fact is you wouldn't have had any. And well, so, it also trapped a lot of people in poverty. If you read yeah. uh, some of the articles that Walter Williams or Thomas Sowell wrote uh, regarding this, um, they, they speak about this a lot. When when LBJ rolled out this saving the, the poor people, it, it, it actually interrupted the trends. Well, it, Black it, it, America was catching up to white America in terms of wealth and income. Destroyed the families. The, the families, the, yeah, yeah, the families, the families were intact. Black families were intact longer than white families, and then all of a sudden, here comes 
this help from Uncle Sam, and it created single parent households and poverty in the black community. Oh, I, uh, my, uh, my mom went to Inglewood High School. Was a uh, she was actually valedictorian, scary as that may seem. Um, and she said, when you walked out of high school, it was half black, half white. So the black people had a family. The white people have family. The yeah. only thing that was screwed up was the white people walked out the door and turned right, and the black people walked out and turned left. And she goes, I could never understand yeah. that because everybody was pretty much the same. I don't understand why we couldn't live next to each other. It was, there, was no, there was no crime in the black areas. I mean, I mean, and the, and the, the, the father and the, the black community worked at Pullman or the U.S. Steel made just as much money as the white guy. Yeah. There was a, and, and all of a sudden over the next, during the 50s and 60s, this all went to hell somehow. Yeah, uh, and I don't, I don't quite. I mean, I don't really know the whole sequence of that. I think there are a couple of books out there that kind of trace the whole mess, the degradation of the family over, corresponding to what the welfare system tried to do. I don't think anybody intended that, but but the one of the problems I have with I mean, didn't, I, didn't LBJ? Uh, I mean, LBJ I think was pretty pretty well known racist, right? And didn't he say something to the effect that? Maybe this is just rumor, but he said that he was going to give uh, black people welfare, and then they're going to they're going to kind of own that vote because uh, they're going to be you know voting for him and the Democrats for giving that that assistance each month. Well, the, the, I think he said something to that effect. But but the uh, very interesting. I think there's some intent there. I think well, there's but, some intent there. But what, the idea every, when everybody thinks of the word welfare, okay, welfare is those people who aren't working getting a check and not doing anything. That's considered to be welfare. And But my definition has always been different. There's a book I can't find. I should Maybe I can go online maybe I can find it. And it, Somebody wrote about welfare. Welfare is not only for the poor or welfare really is for the rich or something along oh, yeah. that. And, uh, it, it traces all the stuff about welfare. Welfare is just a subsidy. It depends on who and, gets it, right? And, and my definition of welfare is, is anything that you get that you didn't pay for. Yeah. Okay, so... And I'm going to say I was a huge benefactor of, I'll use the term, welfare. And, and, uh, but I will admit it where most people will not. And you'll say, geez, Chief, when the hell were you on welfare? Well, I never was on that kind of welfare. But when my dad died uh, in 1956, he paid, and he was in the Chicago Police Force, okay? And they had a retirement plan. It was pretty awful, unless you got shot as a policeman. So my mother got, like, squat. But they're, one of the Social Security things is aid to dependent children. Now, as a Chicago policeman, he didn't pay any Social Security. So my mother never even thought of it until a friend of hers said, you know, he paid Social Security when he was in the Army during the war. And I'm going to say that his total he paid in per year when he was in his Army salary, he was in the Army three years, maybe four, I'm going to say his total that he paid into Social Security couldn't have been 120 bucks. But I and my brother got this aid to dependent children. So my mother remarried, and you know he stepfather was a character, but he, he never never took that money. That money went right in the bank. My mother was one of those kinds of people, and that paid our tuition at Notre Dame, which was you know mm. three grand a year. So there was plenty in there. It was like 120 bucks a month. So over a period of 10 years, it got to we was enough for our tuition, right? My brother yeah. and I. So. I got money that, now, I'm going to say, as an investment, I don't know where the government made a better one. Look at the amount of taxes I've paid through the years. Yeah. You know, my education, I've you know, made a nice living. I have a lot of people working well, for what, me. What would you have done? Here, here's, a, 
Interesting question. In the absence of that assistance, what would you have done? Um, you know what, Hal? It, it was it was cheap enough. I, I, I could make a grand during the summer, and I made another 500 over the winter. I mean, when I, yeah. the month I was on. So if I wanted to go to Notre Dame at 3500 my stepfather probably would have helped me, you know. And if I, yeah. if I, I could have worked in the dining hall at school. I mean, it, it, at that at that level, you could get there. But I surely yeah. could have gone to, you know, Illinois was probably a grand, you yeah. know, type of thing. I mean, I, I could have got, you could have got, but now, you know, how how do you how do you walk up to seventy thousand dollar ladder? I don't even know. What you still make yeah, the same? Know. You still make the same grand in the summer. I'll, I'll bet the yeah, guys. I remember when I went to Low Park State College uh, right out of uh, high school. I didn't know what I was going to do. My friend registered for school, and, I, and he goes, hey, you want to go with me? And I'm like, yeah. I wasn't even registered for school. Uh, it was summertime. I was working for my parents. And I walk in, and that day I signed up for college. Like three or four days before the semester started, I got a schedule. And then the tuition was, I think, 700 bucks. Um, so I had like, I don't know, 20 days to pay it. And I went over to Twin River National Bank, a little regional bank in Lewis and Idaho. Took out a loan for my $700 tuition. And then I couldn't afford the books, so I'd go to the library and check them out. Well, I wouldn't go to the library and check them out because you couldn't check them out. I'd go to the library and study because I could read them on reserve. That's how I went to college. Well, yeah, I mean, the it's the first time around. You could. I was uh, when I was in grad school. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have much of a life, although I managed to still play in a league every night or play handball. I was always into sports, but we got to have your priorities. Right? Oh yeah, that was that was my that was my shtick. I'd, <laughs> I got a class in Chicago in the morning, a class in the afternoon, so it gave me an hour and a half to play basketball there. Then I was in a bunch of leagues at night, and I did my studying. But I was working on the truck docks. Um, my brother, he became a Jeep driver. I never did because I was a big kid, and I, all I did was haul boxes. But, uh, boy, talk about a workout. But I, I was making 8 bucks an hour regular, and on weekends I would go. F- I, was, I was on the 6.30 to 2.30 in the morning shift. And... Uh, it was at 6 o'clock, 2.30 in the morning, and after 12 o'clock was time and a half. And most of the time, they'd say, come on back on Saturday at 8 o'clock. So I'd hustle home, get four hours sleep, and i come back, and on Saturday, I'm making 12 bucks an hour. So there, there's, there's people now that aren't making 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. It was 1975, for God's sake. Well, you and, know, and, and in I, Chicago, I, I, well, the University of Chicago was, I paid six, six grand total for two years, maybe 5,800. Wow. Now, now I think That's it's cheap. like, now it's like eight grand a class, and there's 20 classes. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was in as an undergrad, the second time I was an undergrad, I instead of playing basketball and then working, I worked as a referee. Well, there you go. And I, I get to run around the kids. I love basketball, and I would go, you know, city league or or JV basketball, freshman basketball. I'd get paid like fifty bucks for like an hour and a half, two, wow. two, two hours. And if I did three games a night, I was making, you know, fifty, sixty dollars. And then if the tournaments, when the tournaments came around. Those were all cash tournaments, the Indian Nation tournaments at Lapway or the AU tournaments. I was making five, six hundred dollars for 13, 15 games a weekend. I, I was making I was making some money. And yeah, I was telling people, look, you know, you can either work for five bucks an hour uh, at McDonald's for eight hours a day, or go referee for an yeah, hour and a half well, yeah. and you, you make just as much money. Well, was and more- it was all cash. It was it was cash from the uh, from the game. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really like. They did the midnight to eight thirty in the morning shift. I didn't like that one. Hey, but okay. So we we've noticed, you know, a lot of these numbers come out of the government. We don't believe. But the bottom line is, no matter how you slice it, the there's been a huge shift in the population. Where it's almost like when we do the show, Hal, when we talk about people doing better or worse, 
we should say the ten percent is doing this and the ninety percent is doing this because it it yeah. really is that much of a a, a demarcation. Right? But now historically worldwide that ha- that has a tendency to come together at some point. Now it violently did in 1929. If you look at the numbers in the 1920s, it probably even was was more. Sp- the top 10 to 1% probably had a greater percentage of the wealth than even now. Probably is the only time ever where, I mean, I actually have a couple of graphs here that I sent out to people, where you, you look at the percentage of asset wealth in the country, it's probably the only time that it was worse than this, or, or better, I guess, if you're at the top. And, and yet, I don't want to see another 29 crash. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want to see, is there any way that the bottom 90% can somehow become more of a participant and over if we have real inflation of four percent get six or seven percent productivity increase wages for the next seven eight years and catch up i don't think i've ever seen that without a war or without something i don't really want the nasdaq to go down by 60 percent and get equality that way i mean that's not the way i want to see it because i have a bunch of clients that and myself that wouldn't do so hot if that happened um I think my clients would do better than other people, but still wouldn't do great. Uh, I I don't I mean I, I don't want that to happen. Yet I I have a, this feeling, Hal, that it's just not sustainable. I, I mean maybe it is. I, I I don't know. What do you think? You know, there there's a lot of things that are probably most people are like think things are they're great, right? I mean, think about your smartphone. I mean, you yeah. don't need. You don't need a big stereo system like you had in the 80s with speakers that look like Stonehenge. You don't really need a TV. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't need music. You don't need CDs. You don't need 8-track tape cassettes. You don't need... So everything's consolidated on your phone. And I think for a generation that is pretty happy in their phones, you know, maybe, maybe we avoid that kind of conflict. I mean, I think it'd have to get really bad um, for people, you know, you can stream anything. You can watch anything. You can watch, you know, operas. You know, the Pagliucci opera, the clown opera, my favorite opera, the one that was in uh, the Untouchables, right? Yep. You you can watch anything on YouTube. You can learn anything you want on the internet. I mean, the internet is a very powerful tool for learning. So maybe that maybe what happens is as these costs rise for college, maybe people. Will just adjust and and get their education free uh, with all kinds of internet resources available to them that was well, not available to people. But previously. you may not know this, uh, but then again, you might. Uh, Chicago Auto Show has been the biggest in the country like forever, uh, and they would get when you went to this thing. It was a massive blue collar. Not, not that you know we used to go to the the, the white collar thing, the tuxedo thing the night before, the charity thing. But I, I used to go regular, like regular forever, and and there would be a massive bulge in car sales the next six eight weeks in the dealership mm-hmm. in Chicago. They couldn't wait for the car show. Yeah. Now this year, Stellantis is who's was it Stellantis Stellantis? What, what, what's Chrysler these? They would how you pronounce it? Uh, they pull out this week. Yeah. No no Jeep, uh-huh. no no Ram trucks, no Chryslers, no Dodges. Huh. And I'm sitting there going, I I think that the people who go to the show and 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 do the you know, the, the Jeep had this beautiful test track, this all four-wheel drive capabilities. It's gorgeous. Uh, and it's really a neat thing to take, to, you know, there's a line to get out of thing. I don't think 95% of the people that show up at the show now to see these cars have a snowball's chance in hell of a four and $100,000 Jeep. 
I think that's true. Also, I think also what's going on is, man, when I was a kid, junior high school kid, the only thing I could dream of is having a car. Yeah. My kids are oblivious to owning a car. They they just are not interested. Yeah, but you're in New in York. A car whatsoever. Well, not even in Utah. Even in Utah, my kids were just. Not how do you how do you, how do you go, how do you go anywhere in Utah without a car? I know, but yeah, young people. I think young people in general. I think on average, young people today, they're really interested in owning a car. Well, my my nephew, Honestly. my nephew who uh, works for for uh, PTI. I think he got his license when he was nineteen. I, I was there on my sixteenth birthday with my mother. Oh yeah, and I know you get your your daytime driver's license at fourteen. Really? Yeah. No wonder you guys are because you know. Up. Well, you know, I've been driving. I've been driving since I was probably ten. Uh, driving tractor on the farm, my dad's farm. I okay. drove tractors all the time. Yeah, tractors are a lot harder to drive than you know. I, I would, I would, I would guess, yeah. Yeah, and you know, pulling a disc or a harrow behind the tractor, pulling a trailer. I, I was driving my dad's pickup truck um, probably since I was twelve. My, my started driving my dad's pickup truck. Don't tell, don't tell me at three on the tree. You're not twelve. You're not old enough for that. Well, I was I was not very tall when I was twelve, so my mom would put these uh, cushions God. on the seat <laughs> of a Ford Courier so I could see over oh, God. the. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. On that note, SP Futures down twenty five. The SP Futures at one thirty two. Hey, I'll uh, talk at you next week, buddy. Uh, be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.